Hey, welcome to the Engage Network Podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today. Why don't we dive into another incredible, life-changing message? We're going to continue on in Colossians chapter 2. So I want to read from Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It says this, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. For in him lie all the treasures all lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge i'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments for though i am far away from you my heart is with you and i rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in christ is strong uh Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's living, it challenges us today as it did years ago when it was written. I just pray that you would uh, come and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just had to move those mics because if I step on them, I don't want to break them. Uh, As we continue our series here in Colossians, uh, we find an interesting uh, little bit of a shift as we go from Colossians 1 to Colossians 2. We've been talking in Colossians 1 about things like the supremacy of Christ, how Jesus is first in everything. We talked about, uh, we used some great theological words last week like the preeminence of Christ, the divinity of Christ, and why that matters for reconciliation. And I can't re-explain that all this morning, but you can listen to last week's message if you want. But as we shift into Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Paul is transitioning from Jesus being first in everything and in the universe and over all things, but he starts moving towards this idea of Jesus becoming first in our lives. And, and he's still leaning into the aspect where we need to know the importance of our relationship with Jesus and putting it in its rightful place uh, in our lives. But as we start Colossians chapter 2 through this church in Colossae, uh, in a tri-region thousands of years ago, uh, he, he writes these words to the church and he says, I want you to know that I'm concerned about you, that I've prayed for you, that I've agonized for you. And often we can read our Bibles and we can come uh, into scriptures like this and we're like, well, that's great. That's Paul's heart for believers then. But what does this mean for me? What does this mean for our church today in our tri-region in the thing that God is doing right now? Well, I, I think when Paul starts unpacking some of these things he's concerned about and the things he's been praying about, it should spark and stir our hearts to uh, be concerned about them or know about them at least as well. You know, some things that he was talking to them about in this passage and something that I would like us to know about this morning first is that Jesus is everything that we need. Everything we need is in Jesus. And Paul talks about all the things that you need. They're hidden in Christ as treasures, as mysteries. Everything that you need is in him. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, there's this verse about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was talking about. And he says this, he says, uh, and the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. Doesn't that sound weird? It's like he found the treasure, then he hid the treasure. But it says, then over joy for it, he goes and sells everything that he has, and he buys the field. Now, this is a smart guy. I mean, he's walking, obviously, in a field in a place that he does not own, and he finds his treasure. 
And so he hides the treasure again and goes sells everything he has because the treasure that he found is worth more than everything that he has. And he goes to this homeowner or this guy that owns a field and says, hey, I want to buy that field. What do you think it's worth? And he, he has a number what it's worth to him because he knows the treasure that's in the field. So he buys the field for probably market value and price, not knowing that the seller, knowing that the, there is a treasure there. And this is what the Bible talks about with our relationship with Jesus. There should be a ability or a joy in us to go after what Jesus has for us. When you truly discover the grace and the goodness of God and who he is and you begin to believe that everything that you need is found in Jesus, sometimes we got to put things to the side so we make time for Jesus to discover his goodness, his grace, and the fullness he has for us in our lives. But, you know, often we come to these places where we're like, well, I mean... I could say everything I need is in Jesus, but I really could use a bigger paycheck. I could use a faster car. I could use some more well-behaved children. You know, like there's all of these things that like we, 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 we try to sum up and spiritualize our faith, but then there's the natural aspects where like, well, I don't know if everything I need is in Jesus. But Paul is concerned and he's, he's telling this church at Colossae and, and what the writer is actually saying to us today is that we must be willing to go after Jesus and seek him because everything we actually need, everything our heart is really longing for and desiring is found in him and him alone. But we have to go after it. Like this man who goes and buys the field, he put legs to what he wanted. He moved towards something, and, and we have to move towards Jesus because in him are hidden all the treasures and knowledge that we need. Now, hiding is an interesting thing. How many people played hide-and-seek when you were a kid? How many played hide-and-seek when you weren't a kid? You're an adult. I mean, come on. Still fun. You know, there's a difference in hiding from someone and then there's a difference in hiding for a purpose. You know, like when you play hide and seek, nobody wants to be the person that has to look for everybody. Everybody wants to hide. But have you ever hid, like, in the shower just to see how high somebody will jump? Like, when you jump out behind the shower curtain, some people are, like, looking horrified right now, like, if anyone ever did that to me, right? You know, uh, the, the reality of, you know, this, this word of hiding something, like there can be a negative connotation, but there can be a positive connotation to it. Like you don't leave your cash laying around everywhere, right? You hide it, you put it in a bank, and you put it in a secure place so it's where you want to find it when you need to find it. And what the scripture is talking about here with Jesus is that God has not hidden things in Christ because he's trying to make it difficult for us. But what Paul is alluding to is like, guys, everything you need is in Jesus. So when you need something, what you need to do is stop chasing every other thing around you in this life and in the world. But what you need to do is go to Jesus and ask him for what you need. It isn't hidden like it's a mystery or it's a secret or God's trying to keep something from you. God is actually securing all the things that you need for your heart, for your life, for your mind, for your soul, and they're secure in Jesus. So when we come to Jesus, those things can be released to us. Matthew Henry said this, the treasures of wisdom are not hidden from us, but hidden for us in Christ. So we got to get back to this place where we start to think in the realms and believe that Jesus is 
everything we need. Everything we need can be found in him. Another thing that he wanted the church to know was that there will be, could we all say will be? There will be people who try to deceive you. There will be people in your life and my life that try to tell you that Jesus is not enough. There will be people that try to come along and say, but you need to add this to your faith because this is what makes you a real good Christian. This is what makes you a spiritual Christian. This is what makes you a better believer. This puts you at a different level than everyone else. And, and when I say words like that, some of you are thinking, yeah, I've heard stuff like that. But the answer in the scripture here and the reality is that everything we need is found in Christ. And Paul's trying to get our minds back to that. But he's saying there will be people that come along and try to tell you that you need more than Jesus. And it's happened for centuries, but can I tell you something about add-ons? They don't usually have a lot of value. Like when you're doing your online shopping, Amazon Prime, it's so easy. I got my credit card number memorized, expiration date, CVV code on the back. I'm like, I could buy something in about 90 seconds anytime I want, but that's not good either. But when you get to your cart and it's like, hey, frequently bought together, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I needed that with that with that. And they give me a 10% discount when I do that. And it's like, you don't even know you needed something until that point. And so it becomes an add-on, but are you really going to use it? You know, like sometimes I, I used to buy with some like printing companies and stuff. And it's like, hey, the graphic that you're printing, we could put it on a mug for you for $12. I'm like, that's like a $3 mug. Uh, and you're just running the same scam on everything I've already printed. And it's ugly. But it's like, well, I mean, it's only $3, right? So like, that's how they get you. And they're trying to tell you that you need more than what you were looking for. And in our lives, we have to be careful that when it comes to our walk with God, there will be people that try to tell you that you need more than simply Jesus. Now, let's be real for a minute. If we want to know who Jesus is, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, same was in the beginning with God. I grew up in a Christian school with King James Version Bible, that's why I know that verse that way. Um, and... But it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everything we need to know about Jesus and we follow Jesus is found in this word, in this book. But have you ever met, unfortunately, sometimes Christians? Oh, but I mean, if you have Jesus and you buy this or you add this or you do that, there's going to be a new favor or grace or a new spiritual level. And I mean, I'm not saying there aren't things that can cause us to grow in our relationship with Jesus, but we have to be careful that we're not adding things to the gospel. We have to be careful that we centralize our lives around Jesus. See, in Romans 16, this was happening in the Roman culture as well. And when Paul wrote to them, he said this, he says, I make one more appeal, dear brothers and sisters, watch out. Everyone say, watch out. For people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. I mean, it's things like, in their time, it's coming up in next week's passage, circumcision. Fun passage that I gave to the seven preachers that, uh, but, uh, you know, there were people preaching. It's like, okay, Jesus is enough, but now you should still be circumcised because Jesus really isn't enough. And Paul went after things like that. And, and, and we don't necessarily see that today, but we do see things like Jesus is enough, but 
now you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that, you do this, then you're actually really a good Christian. Well, no, the reality is, is Jesus is enough and the word of God gives us principles and priorities for our life because it goes better for us when we follow God's way and God's plan. But when it comes to our salvation and our growth in God, we need to look to Jesus. But it says this, he says, stay away from them. And then he gets a little bit brash. He says, such people are not serving Christ, our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words they deceive innocent people. And, and, and so we need to know that there will be people that try to tell us that there are add-ons or there are things that go beyond what Jesus wants to do in our life. Remember, in this passage, Paul is fighting a proto-Gnosticism. He's fighting this idea that the Greek culture had that said knowledge was the way to enlightenment. So yes, it's good to know about Jesus, but then you got to keep going and adding all of these other things. And Paul's saying, no, the Bible doesn't tell us that. That's not what God called us to do. He's pulling them back and saying everything you need is in Jesus. And whether it's religion, super spiritual chasing of signs, formalities, things that we think bring us closer to Jesus, perhaps it's even ideologies or arguments for tradition or science or whatever, they say it can't be that simple. It can't be as simple as faith through Jesus and grace through Jesus is enough for your relationship with God. But that's why our faith is called faith. See, we can't look for something that has to, sometimes I just think we're looking for so many things. We want a tangible sign. We want to answer all the questions of the universe. We want everything to work out and be orderly and in fashion and linear and be able to see it all. But faith always requires faith. There is a faith aspect to our relationship with Jesus to trust in him. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by believing, not by seeing. And so Paul says to the believers in, in this passage, he says, look, I want you to know, I want you to know that everything you need is in Jesus, but there will be people that try to deceive you or try to tell you that you need more than simply Jesus. But then what Paul goes into is he begins to model something for us, and I think this is where we need to, to land and lean today. And, and it's in this idea that prayer is the posture that we must have if we're going to remain strong in our faith and help other people be strong in their faith. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have not met me personally. Paul says, beyond you knowing that everything you need is hidden in Christ, beyond you knowing that people are going to try and deceive you at times. He says, what I want you to know is that I'm praying for you. And we should see this as a significant thing for our lives and the lives of people around us. Because it's one thing to hear that someone's going to pray for us. Like, I mean, we say this all the time. Like, we hear that someone's going through something. Like, hey, pray for you. Am I the only person that thinks when they walk away, I'm like, will they really pray for me? You guys are all so much more spiritual and you have more faith in people than I do. But it's like, I think sometimes we do that, right? It's like someone's like, I'm going through a hard time. And someone's like, well, okay, I'll pray for you for that. And it's like, you're wondering, did you just say that because you want to end this conversation right now? Like, 
Like, that's just the Christian answer. Say, like, get out of the conversation free and say you'll pray for them. But, I mean, you go about your week. I mean, what if we actually started praying for one another? What if we actually prayed right then and there, not just saying that we're praying for people? What if we actually went away and took the needs and the struggles of our family in this church, of our brothers and sisters in Christ? And Paul says, I've prayed for churches and people that don't even know me. What if we actually spent time agonizing and praying that they would have a strong faith and experience the wholeness and fullness of God? That might change something. You see, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, we'll get there in about six months, you know. But uh, come on, preacher joke. We'll be done on April 5th. We laid the schedule. Pastor Brett will finish the series on April 5th. Um, But in Colossians chapter 4, in Colossians chapter 2, Paul's talking about how he is praying for the believers. But then he goes into Colossians 4, verse 12 and 13, and he says this. Epaphras, remember who Epaphras is? Epaphras is this young guy that went to Ephesus and kind of experienced what Paul was doing and went back to his tri-region, and he starts this church in Colossae. And Epaphras has been working with the group of believers. He's with Paul right now, and he's going to be the one bringing this letter back. It says, a member of your own fellowship and servant of Christ sends you his greetings. And this is what Paul says. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you're following the whole will of God. And look what verse 13 says. I can assure you, he reaffirms it, that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Herapolis. Now this is amazing to me because sometimes I think we sit in church and we sit uh, under preaching and teaching and we're part of groups and communities and we think, well, I know we pray for one another at times. Wow. I know that uh, we have a prayer team that I can go for prayer at the front of the service for a few minutes. Can I tell you, if you've never come up for prayer and you felt God prompt in your heart, it's amazing what God can do in those moments. I'm just telling you, like, it might seem like, oh, it's only 60, 90 seconds. It's amazing what the Spirit of God can do in your life when you agree with someone else in prayer. Now, side note, I think sometimes we can come and sit in church and we can sit here and we wonder, does my pastor care? Does my group leader care? Do the people who say that they want to see us growing in our lives actually care and pray for you? And this is, I bet, what was happening with the church at Colossae. Paul writes back to the church and says, hey, Epaphras, the guy that's coming back there, the guy that's working among you, I want you to know that he prays for you. And Paul says, because I've seen it. He earnestly and deeply cares for you. And then he reaffirms it again in verse 13, and he says, I assure you that he's praying for you. And I can only speak for what I've heard and what I've seen. I won't speak to myself, but I know that in this church, your group leaders, the people who run kids' ministry, the prayer teams, Pastor Brett and Dez, our executive leadership team, the youth team, all levels in the church, I have seen the heart and conversation of people and their care and concern for anyone who comes in to be a part of this family and a part of this church. And and sometimes we just need to be reassured of those things because we can sit in a service and feel like, do I fall between the cracks? Am I missed? Maybe sometimes you are because you haven't actually talked to someone. Bible says in Proverbs, person who has friends must show themselves friendly. But everyone else in church, you should be friendly too. 
Like, I'm just saying that what we need to come back to, though, and know that prayer is a posture that actually does something in the church that makes us different than every other organization and group on the planet. And we have leaders and we have people who care deeply and pray for the believers of this body. But it's funny how Paul mentioned that Epaphras was also praying for Heropolis and for Laodicea. Because they were in a tri-region and he's saying, hey guys, Epaphras doesn't just care about his church in this location and what's going on. He cares about what God is doing in a region. And it made me ask this question. To myself, and I'm going to ask it to you. When was the last time we really prayed for our friends? When was the last time we really prayed for our family, both in blood, but in Christ? And when was the last time we prayed for not only our church, but for God's church and what he wants to do in this region? When is the last time I prayed for the friends and leaders and pastors I know you know, at Stony Alliance, at uh, Lighthouse, at, you know, Great Church, like all these different places in the region here. When was the last time I prayed and agonized and believed that God wants to actually do something in a region where people could come and know Jesus? See, when we understand that everything we need is in Jesus, when we come to the place where we can be aware, not scared of, but aware that people will try and deceive us, when we see prayer as the necessary posture for strengthening our faith, it will lead us to this question. It will lead us to the place where we ask God, what should be our goal in, in this posture of prayer? God, what should we be praying for in our lives, in our church, in our family, and for your church family outside of this church? And I believe the answer comes in Colossians 2, verse two and three. See, I believe that Paul outlined three things that we should pray for. And the first one this morning is this, is inner strength. A better word for that is encouragement. Encouragement. In Colossians 2 verse 2, it says, I want them to be encouraged. Can we just say encouraged? I just want to make sure you're alive and awake. Encouraged. We all need encouragement. The spoken word of encouragement changes everything for people. It's not only do we know it for our own lives, but you see it all throughout the Bible. We see God coming to encourage Moses and his call and what he's supposed to do. And Moses complains, God, I can't speak well. I can't do this well. I can't do that well. And God's like, but you're called to go and I want to encourage you in going. And then he says, well, then I can't do it by myself. So he sends his brother with him and he says, now I'm going to encourage you. He says, now, now I'll show you that I'm with you. He's like, throw down your stick and it'll turn into a stake. I mean, it'd be pretty encouraging to me if I could drop this mic and it would turn into something that shows a powerful sign from God and so people would listen when I talk. But I mean, that hasn't happened. I'm not Moses. God hasn't told me that yet. But you know, even you go to the next guy in leadership, you go to Joshua and the words of Moses to Joshua were be strong and courageous and do all the things the Lord's commanded to you. And then when Moses dies, God himself speaks to Joshua about moving into his promises and what God has for the people. And he says, be strong and courageous. And he starts encouraging him. And then all throughout scripture, I could go on and on and on. But like one guy that always stands out to me is Gideon. I mean, are you kidding me? The angel comes to Gideon, he's like, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's in a hole in the ground, which was a wine press, trying to bake bread. 
hiding. And the angel says, like, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor, like mighty man of God. It's like, no, he's not. Like anyone reading the scripture can see that. But God was speaking to his potential and encouraging him in what he had been called to do. And when we start hearing words of encouragement in our own lives, when we start getting encouragement, we start believing we can do the things that Jesus has called us to do. And we need that inner strength, not only for ourselves, but I think everyone around us needs that inner strength. And maybe so we should pray, God, would you encourage my heart, but would you also help me encourage those around me? What if we could be a group of believers that was an encouraging group of believers could we be an encouraging church could we speak well of one another could we speak well of the church next door could we speak well of people trying to lead other people to Jesus and encourage them in what God's called to do and sometimes I think we think God I I would do that if maybe I was getting a little more encouragement And I hope that comes for you. I pray that you get friends and people in your lives that can know you well enough and speak to your potential in every area. But sometimes we also have to go to Jesus who has everything we need and say, Jesus, would you show me the things that you're doing in my life and the things that I've been called to do again because I'm not feeling it, I'm not seeing it. And can I tell you, sometimes, yes, Jesus, when we get in those moments with him, asks us to adjust some things, but he reminds us that he's still with us, he's not leaving us, he's not forsaking us, he wants us to move forward in everything that he has for us. So we need to pray for encouragement and maybe become the answer of that prayer for one another. George M. Adams said this, he said, encouragement is oxygen to the soul. In other words, encouragement is pretty important. It's pretty important for our hearts and for our lives and to move forward in what God wants to do. And Paul said, I'm, I'm praying for you, I'm concerned for you, so I'm gonna pray that you would be encouraged. But then he says this, he also says in Colossians 2 verse 2, I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love so he prays for encouragement which is inner strength but then he begins to pray for outer strength which is more pictured as unity he begins to pray for a unity of the believers he talks about them being knit together by strong ties of love you know it's amazing what kind of things bind people together have you ever met two people and be like how are you friends and they're like we both like playing kazoos or something you know like I don't know it's like can be the strangest things it's like or you know we met um you know we were braiding our dog's hair I don't know like the, the funny things can bind people together and they can find a unity amongst a lot of things I mean anybody seen the Facebook commercials lately they were so spiritual in the last service nobody wanted to admit to watching tv but every Facebook commercial on right now is about groups there's a group for everything. Can I tell you something? We got groups at church too, okay? And you can join a group and you can be a part of something with people. But there's groups for, you know, people who want to knit. There's groups for people who want to play soccer. There's groups for people who like their pets more than other people. There's groups about uh, people who don't like people, but they're going to talk to other people who don't like people about it. I don't know. You could find a group for pretty much anything. There's groups for guys like me in skinny jeans and leather jackets, probably. Instagram, preachers and sneakers, right? Um, <laughs> 
But the funny thing about groups like that is what binds people together. And Paul prayed that the church would have an outer strength and a unity that was knit together by strong ties of love. See, you can be united to someone because you have the same last name as them. You can be united to someone because they're your coworker and you share a desk. You can have a unity with someone simply because you play on the same sports team. You can be, have a unity with someone because of a legal reason. But what Paul said is we got to get beyond that type of unity. And what makes the church different is that you're actually unified by the strong ties of love that you have. See, the church should be united by love, not by law, not by legalism, and not by interest. Our unity can't come just because we like the same songs or a certain speaker or a certain type of worship environment. Unity doesn't come because of those things. Yes, sometimes those things play a part in it, but our unity needs to come. What really gives us strength as the body is when we're knit together by strong ties of love. And those ties of love trace back to our love for Jesus and our love for one another. And as we pray, God, in this posture of prayer, help us develop a love for one another that brings strength. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in our lives, and it's going to make a difference outside of this building because then it can overflow. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12 says this as the band comes back up. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. I wonder what it would look like if we actually lived out of an overflow of love for Jesus and for one another. And oh yeah, in the scripture it says one thing, and for all people. When our posture of prayer says, Jesus, help me develop inner strength and believe that for other people. Help me to be encouraged and be an encourager. Jesus, help me with this area of outer strength and unity and love and, and grace in the church in my family, outside of the church. Jesus, help me. What would happen if we lived out of that overflow? And so this posture of prayer that brings us strength and helps us encourage people in their faith, it comes when we pray for this inner strength and this outer strength. But it also brings a third element. Paul said in Colossians 2, verse 2, he says, I want them to have complete confidence. Can you just say confidence? This posture of prayer should cause us to pray and anchor ourselves in a confidence in Jesus. See, Paul tells them everything you need is in Jesus. There will be people who try to deceive you, but prayer is going to make all the difference. And, I, and, I, and I'm praying that you'd be encouraged and I'm praying that you would be unified. But he, he ends with this. He says, but I really want to pray that you would have your confidence in Jesus. Because if everything you need is in Jesus, your complete confidence needs to come from Jesus. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but sometimes, sometimes in the world in which we live, in the relationships that we're in, in the battles that we face, there's a lot of things that can shake our confidence. There's a lot of things that 
maybe we've put our confidence in and they've let us down and they've failed us. And this is why we need to get back to that posture of prayer and say, Jesus, help my complete confidence be in you. In Isaiah 33, verse 6, it says this. It says, he will be your constant source of stability in changing times. And out of his abundant love, he gives you the riches of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. And yes, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. As I reflected on this verse, I was thinking, God, like, hey, we've been through some changing times as a church. We've been through some changing times, maybe in relationships. I mean, how many would say it's fair to say right now in North America, there's some changing times in the temperature and climate of our, our nation and, and, and in the U.S., like in the economy and whatever. And, and the Bible says that our, our complete confidence and our source of stability through all of those things is supposed to be Jesus. But maybe we've made it something else and we found ourselves falling short or we found ourselves let down because it didn't have the grace and the power to sustain our hearts, but Jesus does. So it says, out of his abundant love, he gives us riches, wisdom, and knowledge. And this sounds a whole lot like Colossians chapter 2, where it says all the riches and knowledge that you need are found hidden in Christ. knowledge that we need is to know that Jesus is our anchor. Jesus is our source. Jesus is enough. And it says the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You want confidence in Jesus. We should pray for our confidence to be so grounded in Jesus. But the key to this is the fear of the Lord. And this isn't a shake and tremble fear. God's not mad at you and looking for you to mess up. No, this is, a, this is an awe and a reverence and a worship of Jesus and a, and a gratefulness and a gratitude that says, Jesus, I truly am going to make you the center. I'm truly going to put you first. I'm going to put you at the center of my life where you belong, and I'm going to trust in you. And when we fear the Lord, when we worship him, when we make him first, when we make him the center, that's what brings the confidence that we need changing times. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Engage Church or continue your relationship with Jesus, head to engagechurch.ca. We'll see you next week.